Hey everyone, this is Motsi. This is just a quick reminder that the martial law and the crimes of the Marcuses segment has been moved to the end of the episode. This is also to let you know that coming up, you'll be hearing a promo from our friends at the Night Post podcast. The Night Post is an audio drama podcast about the conscripted couriers of a city at odds with the ancient arcane frontier that surrounds it. What begins as Milo's search for his missing husband becomes the courier's journey to save themselves and uncover the secrets of the organization that chose them. Go check them out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you can find podcasts. We here at Hainai are two episodes away from the finale of Season 1, Act 2, and have some exciting plans for this year's Halloween season. So stay tuned, and make sure to follow us on our socials for updates. And if you haven't already, head on over to HainaiPod.com, our new-ish website, for more information on how to support our podcast, as well as links to our socials, our online merch store, etc. Now, on to the show. Hello there, citizen. You've lived in Guilt City for a while now. Maybe you've wondered, when you wake in the morning and retrieve the letters tucked neatly into your postbox, just where your mail comes from. It comes from the night post, of course. Those faithful couriers deliver it while you're sleeping. All the better that they stay out of sight and keep the unseemly strangeness that follows them out of our city, in the skelter where it belongs. <coughs> if, for some reason, you'd like to know more about Guilt City's conscripted couriers and the burden that chose them, their secret hopes and fears, the ancient, untamed threats that hound them on their nocturnal journeys. You have only to listen. The Night Post is a queer supernatural audio drama, delivered weekly, in dead of night, to wherever you listen to podcasts. Find answers at nightpostpod.com. Previously on High Night. I just don't understand why you're interested in this. It was a fire, not homicide. Did something happen before the fire? There was this man. He held his hands out, palms up, but I couldn't see his face. His head was fully turned. And all that faced me was this thick, dark, sticky hair. Around me, the walls, the paint started to peel, like, like it was burning away. You're an elder, aren't you? A what now? Don't play with me, Cornelius. There's always something. Remember that. I'm already in this, Cornelius. Strange girl. Hey, wait! Beneath the gargantua, see if you can make sense of it. And if you can, maybe then, maybe we'll talk. listening to Hainai 
by Monsi Dapul. Episode 24 Ilalim You sure you guys don't need backup? You know I'm all for a bit of civil disobedience, but there's a lot of non-supernatural dangers to going down a g-damn drainpipe without knowing exactly what's down there. Well, at least if something happens, you'll know where to come get us. Win-win. Not funny. I wasn't trying to be funny. I'll feel safer knowing someone knows where we are, in case something happens. But hey, I've got Mary and Laura. We'll be watching each other's backs. I wish I could be there with you guys. But this St. Patrick's case is really kicking our butts. And I can't just play hooky and leave Donner with the paperwork again. Late nights, all week, for both of us. I'm sure you'll find a way to enjoy yourself. What? You think I'd rather spend time at work with my boring, by-the-books partner? refereeing his complete ineptitude at handling Mari's sudden radio silence, then relaxing at home with my boyfriend? You're kidding. I didn't say anything. Ash? I love your eyes, you know that. And I love yours, but what does that have to do with- I especially love them when they're not green. Did you- did you actually just say that to me? Pot? Kettle? I'm not. Sorry I brought it up. I just thought, well, yeah, you'd enjoy doing some work you actually signed up for with the partner you picked. And you don't have to worry about me, or us, because I'm finally at the point I can confidently handle the weird stuff Toronto's thrown at us since I got possessed. And if I can't, I'll be with the woman who absolutely can. Right. Okay. But you better keep us posted. Barring the signal dying underground, as it's wont to do. Of course, my love. What the... What? I found something on one of the shelves. Nothing I stocked. Maybe something Evelyn left out? I... Hmm. It feels... Ash, be careful. It's not bad, but it's weird. I'll show you to Mary when we meet up. What is it? It looks like a porcelain eye. Like for dolls. And it feels like an elder's magic. The Gargantua. It's a fancy name for the biggest storm drain in Toronto. Entering it felt like entering a church cathedral or a great hall, except with graffiti as high as someone could reach, rather than stained glass or religious murals. We didn't quite know what we were looking for, but we were, all of us, a little on edge. Not because you might run into an elder, or a trap, though, don't worry. We were watching out for that. There's just 
something unnerving about being underground. And even if the pipe itself was huge, we wondered if we'd end up somewhere a lot narrower. While we, um, moved around the space, trying to track any sign of Elder Interference, we encountered something unexpected. Well, someone. Holy God! Abe? Uh, oh gosh. Mari? Oh, and Laura. And, uh, Ashbit, right? I don't think we've ever actually met, but I've heard a lot. Hmm. Do you know this guy? Yep. <clears throat> hey, bud. Thank you. Thanks so much. You know, good thing I didn't hit my head or anything else important. <laughs> Feel a bit shaken up, though. Abe, what are you doing here? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm getting some B-roll for a horror vlog thing. This place has been getting a lot of attention on Toronto ghost and cryptid forums, especially recently. Weird sounds according to locals, and I wanted to do a proper video about it on my blog, and I was supposed to come with a friend of mine, but he hasn't been answering my calls. So I had to try coming alone, and, uh, well, hey, I didn't know you guys were investigating this place, too. Ooh, the inept ghost vlogger you mentioned. I never said inept. Context clues. You've been here before? So you know the layout? Oh, yeah. Well, part of it. There's some bits you can't reach, obviously, and I think some parts have been bricked off for safety, but there's still a lot to see. I was able to download a tunnel map. Anything in particular you're looking for? Cute. Like a puppy. A sad, scraggly little puppy. Oh, I know. Don't you think it's a bit... weird? Which part? Well, isn't it a little convenient that he's down here the day we're investigating? Well, weird, yeah. But it doesn't have to be bad weird. Abe's a good guy, but I figure he's just really, really unlucky. Like I was. But keep an eye out either way. It was good to have someone who had the fundamental knowledge of where we were treading, but I worried about Abe. I kinda always do. He has this penchant for getting in situations he shouldn't be in. I mean, I guess we all kinda do, but he doesn't quite have the uh, arsenal that we do. I... I like him. Running into him isn't a bad thing, but the locale wasn't exactly giving confidence. But I will say, his help was invaluable. Because if it wasn't for him, we never would have noticed. Whoa. What? Hey, Ghost Hunter. How updated are these maps you pulled up? Well, a couple of years old, but not that old. 2016, I think. Why? Does this wall look like it was put up in 2016? Oh, dang it. Give me a sec. Dealer. 
creepy. Didn't know it could do that. Do what? Blink. Mary wears an eye around her neck. I thought it was just a matter of time before it started blinking at us. Yeah? What's yours gonna do? You're asking what's Hanuman, tearing his chest open to reveal Lord Ram's name written inside, is going to do? You know what? Pretend I didn't ask. If he does anything, I'll have to apologize to my family for not being religious enough. Come on, guys. Come where? Right through here. Through the wall? Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Is it okay to say that this is, like, really cool? Because it's really cool. It's just like a movie. Hopefully not a horror movie. Watch your step. Oh, Lord, but that is a drop. Oh, yeah. It, it's a bit of a complex system, but there should be a way down right over there. A ladder. Are we really doing this? Someone was trying to hide this place for a reason. Come on. Careful. Well, at least gravity is more likely to kill us than an elder. It wasn't exactly easy going down, but the descent was a lot shorter than we anticipated. We found another system of tunnels, much older than the ones we came from. Brickwork that looked like it belonged in old Toronto. We figured we were on the right track. I could feel elder magic, and it gave me a little bit of a headache, but... It was this low-level buzz, nothing too crazy. We were going by flashlight, and thankfully, we didn't spend too much time groping around in the dark. But the deeper we went, the more unsettled I felt, wondering why Cornelius, if that is his real name, sent us there. Until finally, the tunnel opened up, and the ceiling above gave way to this enormous... Well, it was almost like a great hall, made from the same brickwork, with water flowing from different ducts, down in grotty waterfalls or in artificial rivers. And in the center, there was... this strange, round dome, built sturdy, but of an entirely different material. It took up nearly all the space, big enough to fit multiple people, and we could see a viable entrance, this half-circle hole protruding from the ground. It was strange. It looked... well... It looked old, and the dust settled on it, the same way as it did the rest of the place, but... Well... I don't know if it had been built there. It was almost like... You know, like in a video game, when something clips through the ground. That's what it looked like, even as solid and as real as it was. Like someone had dropped something way too big in the space that didn't belong there, and it had adhered to the brick. We entered a dome and found a body. More bones than anything. We were, all of us, 
a little too used to the sight of horrors. Well, except maybe Abe, though he's seen his fair share. It seemed like he was making a valiant effort not to get sick all over the floor, but it's not like we would have blamed him. The skeleton was small, with long black hair, and the scraps of clothing that had been left draped over it looked like a dress. A young-ish, or small, woman, maybe even a teenager. Clearly, she'd been long dead, but it was still unnerving to think about how she got down here. And what killed her. There was a long dried stain on the floor that implied it hadn't been starvation. Ashvin brought up the possibility of trying to see if there was a soul that needed to be laid to rest. It was a good idea. So he set up the tools and we tried to connect with any lingering spirits to help them move on. We sat down, me and Ashvin, held each other's hands, and what we got was not quite what we expected. Oh, no. What is it? I, I can't see. Uh oh. Do we stop? Why? What's going on with you? I'm seeing a lot. Too much. Describe it. There's uh There's a young girl. She's bleeding from the throat. The blood's bubbling from her mouth, her neck. A spirit was here. She was enraged. Her dreams were shattered. She wanted to make them pay, but... Ashman, don't let go. What else do you see? Oh. Oh my god. They're... They're both... Yeah, I see it. Two hands with fine cufflinks. The third, a red hand, plucking her spirit from this place, taking it somewhere, I don't know where. A man adjusting his fine suit. The whistling. But something happened before that. What happened before that? Find it. Find the thread. Follow it. A throat. When it was cut. The world. The world was cut too. Souls rushing out. To the other side. But they were... All of them. Taken. He took them. This is where he took them, and the machine. But he tried again, and again. It never worked. 
They could not do it again. They couldn't. Why couldn't they do it? Because, because they, they weren't, weren't special, special enough. No, not again. Ashvin! Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to let go. It's fine. It's okay. Are you okay? I was just... on edge. The stuff I was seeing was... intense. A little familiar, though. Yeah, yeah, that... that, that was definitely the benefactor's work. Even if I didn't see, from what you described, well... Hey, would you let me see? How so? Come here, just, just press your forehead to mine and close your eyes. subway. I live all the way up in Vaughan. My parents bought me a nice cheap place up there and with the subway I don't have to spend so much driving all the way to downtown. The funny thing is, even though I'm calling in to tell you how weird it was, it's not like awful. What happened to me, what keeps happening to me, doesn't really do anything. It's just weird. Okay. I guess I'm just worried about the day that it decides to stop being okay. So I get on the subway at Vaughn, and it takes about four to five minutes to get to my stop at Dundas. And I cherish those four to five minutes. Enough time to relax before I get the work day, get a bit of reading in. Most days I'm looking down at a book or my phone, so I hear people getting on and off, seating at my periphery, but I'm not like paying attention. I go to work around noon, so it's not rush hour or anything, but there's enough people moving around the city that it's not, like, abandoned or whatever. I started... It started happening a couple of months ago. Every now and then when I'm riding the subway back up to Vaughn. It's a bit late, but I still see a handful of people. Way more closer to the weekend. Work's super draining, so I don't really like being around people too much. I try my best to steer clear of where everyone's sitting, usually closer to the back of the train. It's, uh, an interesting view. You see everyone all the way to the front of the train, except when it makes those turns, where it's like a wormhole. When the train turns at the middle bits. What, what were they called? Uh, the bellows? Wait, really? Okay, then. Yeah, like, when they turn at the bellows, the entire train disappears for a second. It's trippy as hell, but it's fun. A couple months ago, I started noticing something weird. I'm not sure when I first started to notice it, 
I think one time I was super sleepy. There were only like three or so other people in the train that I could see. And I'm trying to remember. One was oh, two women talking loud enough to be heard through the entire train. The third was just a guy in a motorcycle balaclava, which is weird, but I think just like Toronto weird, not this weird. I drifted off to sleep somewhere down the line, but not for very long. I was still underground, so I hadn't gotten far enough north. When I woke up, it was quiet. The two women were gone, and so was the dude. I guessed they just got off at the last stop. It was spooky being completely alone on one of the busiest train lines in Toronto, but it was late. I didn't think much about it. I thought maybe I saw something out the window. It was quick. Happened too quick. I didn't notice much more for a while after that, or maybe... I was choosing not to notice them. Toronto laugh, you know? Sometimes you see weird ch uh, Some weird stuff, pardon my language. A lot of the time, you just pretend you don't see it. At least until you can't pretend anymore. See, this happened to me on a Friday night. Late going home, but so was pretty much everyone else train was pretty full since there were a few delays earlier they didn't say what exactly happened but I heard that someone fell on the tracks and there was a a police presence I don't know how bad it was or if it wasn't that much of an incident they never said maybe it was fine but maybe something really bad happened and they were keeping it quiet you know for the family kind of like Anyway, I was at the back of the train that day, and the only other person was a homeless guy, taking up space on a few of the chairs, snoring away. Kept a few seats empty near him, and uh, a lot of the chatter was happening closer to the front of the train. Bunch of drunk girls coming home from a party. Couple making out, some partygoers not yet on their last legs, a bunch of people who looked as done with the week as I was tired as hell and just wanted to get home. There's a bit where it doesn't seem like they oiled the rails properly or whatever. I'm not sure. But a bit of the trip where there's this awful screech that you gotta cover your ears to survive every day. That sound? It drowned out every other sound on the train apart from the running engine. I saw the front of the train swing around and making a sharp turn as it headed north. Everything in front of me disappeared. The screeching stopped exactly the moment the train swung back. And... And they were all gone. Just... Just gone. Everyone but the man sleeping beside me. All I could hear was the rumbling of the train. I, I was... Well, I was terrified, but... I waited to get off at the next stop. It was supposed to come up within a minute. But then, five minutes passed before I realized the next stop wouldn't come.
I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be, try hitting the emergency brake or something. I did, it didn't seem like a like a normal problem. I don't know what the the consensus is on saying this, but I do actually believe in the supernatural. Like, obviously I need at least some proof, and I do accept logical answers to things, and, and I don't believe every single story, but, uh, especially when they're obvious hoaxes, but I'm, I'm not an idiot. When weird stuff happens, and it doesn't make sense, I'm not gonna waste time pretending it isn't weird. It made no sense that the train was still running as fast as always without passing a single stop. It made no sense that all the people on board would just disappear. All but one. I, I reached over to wake the homeless man up, but he was already awake. He stood up, and I noticed he was a lot taller than I thought at full height. He almost reached the ceiling, and his eyes were... Well, I felt like I could see them in the dark if it got to that. He didn't look confused. It was like he knew what was going on. I was going to ask him, well, I guess I was going to demand to know what was going on. I don't know, maybe that would have been a bad idea. Like, if I made him mad, would I, would I have made things worse? I didn't get a chance anyway. Out the window, I thought I saw them... I thought I saw something crawling across the window. The, the, the most I saw was these long fingers. I, I couldn't tell, not from the reflection of light from inside the train, but there was definitely something there. I tried to angle my head and see what I could. There was there was something there was something pale, white, and thin, just just visible against the glass near the top. I thought I thought maybe I saw a little red before it moved away out of sight. Then above the rumble of the train I could hear I could hear scratching from above us. And the man raised his hand and lay a palm flat on the ceiling. And then I heard this this roar. And outside the window I, I saw fire rushing past. The man beside me had both hands up now. He was, he was muttering something. I, I couldn't tell what, but he started walking to the front. I was frozen. Couldn't move from my seat, and I didn't know if it was out of fear. Or... He, he looked at me with a, these strange, piercing cold eyes, and he said, he said, don't worry. That train made another turn, and the man disappeared from view. And then the rest of the train swung back and suddenly, noise again. And I could see everyone in front of me all the way to the front. Everyone who disappeared was back, like they never left. Everyone except the homeless man. And I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened to me. The next stop finally came and the entire thing happened between train stops. And nobody seemed to notice. I did try to drive down to Toronto for work after that. But after a while, it stopped being worth it. I mean, four-ish dollars for the full trip and it's faster at rush hour? Come on. So, 
I started taking the train again. Did the... weird stuff stop then? <laughs> no. I tried to stay closer to the middle, but even then, people disappear when the train makes a turn. People beside me don't even seem to notice, but for the most part, I, I try not to end up alone. And then eventually... Eventually, the next stop just comes. And I don't I don't really know why it happens just to me and that one homeless guy, but, but I haven't seen him since. I don't know what happened to him, but I, I tried to do what he said that day. I try not to worry. It's been months. It's become part of my routine, and I don't think so. I don't think that anything's about to change. I, I just wanted to tell this story. In case something does, then at least someone will know where I went. Abe? You okay? Just, uh, remember the last time I was here? Not down there, of course, but, you know, underground. Gotta say, it was already pretty creepy without knowing about the corpse. Don't worry. We've got our boys in homicide on the case. At least, the bits of it that aren't spooks. That's for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey... Speaking of spooks, uh, I know we haven't, like, talked outside of, uh, supernatural emergencies and you saving my butt or anything, but, uh, how do you feel about Halloween? <laughs> Loving it more every year. Why? Oh, well, uh, there's this, this cool new place up north of, uh, Church and Wellesley, a theme bar opening up uh, with a few Halloween parties. And I got an invite. Well, I guess it's more like an ad, but an invitation to come to their All Hallows' Eve Monster Mash from some contacts of mine in the uh, supernatural vlogosphere. And I was wondering if you'd maybe like to come along. It's, it's really cool. It's an old house, and they preserved a lot of the features from way back, and apparently there's even a horror-themed exhibit. And uh, Huh. That sounds... You know what? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to, Abe. Awesome! Awesome. I'll, I'll send you the, uh, the deets. Yeah, of course. Thanks. See you, Abe. See you soon, Mari. Deets? You're listening to Hainai by Motsi Dapul. Martial Law and the Crimes of the Marcoses. On August 31, 1977, at the height of martial law, the daughter of dictator Ferdinand Marcos, Aimee Marcos, 
was a speaker as the director of the Kabataang Barangay or National Youth Council at a forum held at the Pamantasang Lungsod ng Maynila. At the forum, 21-year-old university student Archimedes Trajano boldly questioned her on why she deserved to be a youth representative. Trajano was forcibly taken out of the venue, blindfolded, and beaten by Aimee's bodyguards. It was the last time he was seen alive. On September 2, 1977, Trajano's body was found on the road with evidence of torture and abuse. A Hawaii court ordered Aimee to pay the family of Trajano $4.16 million in damages. However, a Philippine Supreme Court ruling in 2006 blocked the payment on the grounds that a lower court sheriff was not diligent enough in serving the summons on Aimee personally, voiding the court's enforcement of the payment. Suspicious and convenient for the Marcus family. Archimedes Trajano may have passed, but he will never be forgotten. He is just one of the thousands of cases of oppression on free speech instilled during the martial law era. Today, as the Marcuses and their allies find their way back to power, this oppression has begun to rear its corrupt head once more. Walden Bello, 2022 vice presidential candidate, former congressman, academic, and staunch activist and critic of the Duterte and Marcus administration, was arrested on August 8, 2022 for allegations of cyber libel. The allegations were made by Jeffrey Tupas, former information officer for Vice President Sara Duterte. This can set a precedent that would enable the Marcos Duterte administration to relentlessly target any of their critics. However, the people have not forgotten, and they will continue to fight. This was martial law and the crimes of the Marcuses, crimes which are unfortunately still ongoing. Hey everyone, this is Reg Helly, co-creator and co-producer of Hainai. Hainai is a podcast produced by Motsi Dapol, Yoi Halago, and me, and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international license. Today's episode was written and directed by Motsi Dapol, who also plays the role of Mary Datuin. The role of Murphy was played by Edward Boxler, the role of Laura was played by Abigail Rhodes, the role of Ashvin was played by Adil R, the roles of Abe and Cal were played by Matt Gador, and the role of DJ was played by Yoi Hilago. To help support the production of Hainai, you can buy us a milk tea at coffee or subscribe to our coffee gold at coffee.com slash Hainaipod. That's ko-fi.com slash Hainaipod. Or you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Hainaipod. Speaking of Patreon, shout out once again to all our patrons, Billy Atienza, Victoria Goodwin, Nicole, Burley Forty, Cinadone, Cecil, Rhea, Malaya Light, Robbie, Rebecca Madgastronomer, Discmonde, Jordanos Belete, Heather Blair, and our latest one, Jessica Heng. You guys are rock stars. Thank you so much for helping us make Hainai possible. Anyway, don't forget to check out official Hainai merchandise on our Redbubble store at redbubble.com slash people slash Hainaipod. Hainai is available on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're aiming to reach 1,000 YouTube subscribers by the end of the year, so it would really mean a lot if you hit that subscribe button on youtube.com slash Hainaipod. 
Check out our channel for a monthly special live stream with the creators too, where you get to watch us get up to some shenanigans like some wacky stories, like that time I had to deliver a baby even though I had no idea how. Don't forget to follow us on our official blog, highnightpod.tumblr.com, for more news and updates, and also on our socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at highnightpod. Leave a rating and review when you check us out, and with that, thank you, we love you, and hanggang sa muli.